So let's get into the message. We are in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we'll be in part one of Matthew 14. Uh, we'll be taking a look at the life of John the Baptist. Kind of taking a, a snapshot, understanding um, really who he is and what he was all about. And um, so this morning's message is titled, Truth Cannot Be Silenced. Truth Cannot Be Silenced. So as we've been doing, let's all stand to our feet. We're going to read the first few verses here in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. All right. So at the time Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother, and his disciples came and took the body and, and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. Let's pray. Father, oh, what a man. John the Baptist. He was considered the forerunner of our Lord, preparing the way. He was John the baptizer, commanding all to repent and be baptized. This is the man who, upon seeing our Lord, proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I pray, Lord, that this morning, we as John would be encouraged to speak the truth. Because the truth itself will never be silenced. It will stand long after everything else has perished, this world itself. I ask, Lord, that you would give us the boldness, the confidence, the encouragement, Father, and most of all, your spirit, that we would walk in your truth, proclaim your truth, Warn in your truth, encourage in your truth, and abide in your truth. And so, Father, we commit this morning into your hands, Lord. We ask for your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So Warren Wearsby said, Truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. A person who wants to conceal a wrong does not welcome a person who wants to reveal the truth. Truth can be annoying and even angering to someone who is practicing falsehood, is prideful, and has no desire for correction, especially if what they're doing is constantly pointed out as being wrong. Have you ever done that yourself? You know, you know you're in the wrong, and someone just keeps pointing that out. 
Like, you're annoying. You're angering me. You're frustrating me. In fact, people, sadly enough, will go to extreme lengths to stop people from speaking against them to the point of even committing murder. The Bible is the truth and the world is at war with Christianity. We know that to be true. We don't have to look too far, perhaps in our own lives, or just look around. Christianity, there's a, there's a battle from without, and also, by the way, if we allow it to, from within. There's always been this battle between darkness and light, between good and evil, as long as evil has been around. Always has been because it desires to conceal what it does without challenge, that is, evil. It wants to be actually affirmed, not corrected, challenged, or even offered a better path. James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's very clear what the Lord taught and James knew very well that he penned these words by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the world fights against God. It is today. The truth in love doesn't always make friends, does it? It doesn't always make friends. It, it doesn't, it's not always well received and welcomed and embraced and brought in. John chapter 17, verses 14 through 16 it's when Jesus was praying, and he, and he prayed like this. He says, I have given them your word. He's praying to the Father, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. It's interesting that even Jesus was asking the Father to place a hedge about the disciples. That's awesome. Even our Lord is praying for us. He prayed for Peter. He prays for us. He intercedes on our behalf. But he was saying, Jesus was saying, hey, listen, they hated them. The world hated them because they are not of this world. They were of the world. They'd be embraced, brought in. Be wary when the world speaks well of you. Be, be careful. Because when everyone loves you, when the world is loving on you, that's when it's like, well, wait a minute. If everyone's thinking well of me, and, you know, it's not because I've done evil, but maybe I'm just compromising. Maybe I'm going along with the world. In John 16, 33, says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Those are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, listen, be courageous, take heart, stand up, walk in the truth, because I have overcome, and in me you have overcome. But in this world you're going to have tribulation. I don't... Sometimes we pray that the burden would be lightened, but sometimes what we simply need to pray for is that we would be strengthened. Sometimes we would be able to bear that which has been entrusted to us to bear and walk out. This morning we, we take a look at John the Baptist, 
According to the Gospel of Luke, John was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth after the time she was able to bear children. In fact, in, in our terminology today, you would say that John the Baptist was born after Elizabeth went through menopause. Imagine that. The conception of John was a miracle itself. Also, according to Luke, John knew the presence of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and leapt in his mother's womb when Mary visited Elizabeth. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, because I want to give a, a good breakdown. Matthew, Mark, Luke, so Luke chapter 1, of who we're talking about. John the Baptist, Luke chapter 1, verse 8 In Luke chapter 1, verse 8, Luke writes, Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And, and he goes on to write how it is that Zechariah, Dad, how can this be, right? Uh, my wife, she's old and advances year, in years. In, in other words, he was saying, it's not physically possible. I mean, you're talking to an angel, he appeared to you. He knows your name. And he's having this conversation with any any doubts. He's explaining to the angel how it is that that's, that's not possible. It's because of that that Zechariah was made mute. He couldn't speak. It wasn't until the day in which Elizabeth delivered John the Baptist. In fact, turn with me to... Um, that same chapter, it's a long chapter, so we're going to take a look at verses 57 through 66. That is the birth of John the Baptist. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Verse 58, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. Junior, right? But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke blessing, uh, he spoke blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. 
And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. In verse 80, as after Zechariah's prophecy, Luke writes, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. It would be approximately 30 years after his birth that John did make his public appearance to Israel to prepare the way for their hearts to receive Jesus the Messiah. This was the man who said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This was the man who said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Truth will never be silenced. Not at all. John came for a purpose. He came to serve a purpose. This was the man who spoke truth. The multitudes came to him in the wilderness and were baptized. He was proclaiming repentance. He was preparing the way for the Lord. And what we read in Matthew chapter 14 verses 1 through 12 is the account of when John the Baptist was being held as a prisoner under Herod and how it is that it was at that time that he was beheaded for the sake of his wife, Herodias, as his daughter danced before the people. It came about because Herodias wanted to silence John the Baptist. As we've learned, this was not a man who was born to keep silent, right? But he was born to be a herald. He was born to proclaim the truth. This is what he was born to do. John chapter 1, verse 23, he said, speaking of John the Baptist, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He, he knew that very well. He knew exactly what he was on earth to do. It wasn't for himself. It was all to glorify the Lord by being obedient to what his purpose in life was. That's it. John was a man who could not keep silent. He confronted the religious leaders of the time, commanded all to repent and be baptized and proclaim the coming Messiah. John knew who he was and what he was to do. And after Jesus came on the scene and was baptized by John in the Jordan and began his ministry, it was John who said, in these, we know very well, right? He must increase. But what else? But I must decrease. But I must decrease. <clears throat> John continued to speak the truth. Many times today, we know about the first part of John 3.30. 
but we're still not walking out the second part. But we, but I, must decrease. It's like e- even within the church, we need to be very careful. When even we within the church are not simply serving the Lord, serving wherever he has us, giving of ourselves as he's called us to, but we're still looking to promote ourselves within the church, market ourselves even. When you think about it and put it in context of what we've been called to do, being humble before the Lord, it seems silly, doesn't it? At the expense of the church? I, I kind of wonder today what the church has turned into. I wonder if the Lord would come in and overturn tables. I wonder if the Lord would come in and make a whip and and say a few words that perhaps we wouldn't like to hear. I think he would. I really think he would. Because we haven't learned the second part, I must decrease. Kind of just fading into the background. John had no problem doing that. When he said these words, it was his disciples who were coming to him and complaining. Hey, Jesus, uh, over there on the other side of the river, he's... He's baptized. He never baptized anyone, but his disciples were baptizing, right? It's like, yeah, that's, that's good. I came as his forerunner. I'm just preparing the way for him. He must increase, but I must decrease. In the original, I'm sure Justin Alfred could break it, and I've heard this from him, how it is that in the original language, this, this is a continuous action. It, it continues on. He must continually increase as I must continually decrease. It's not something of one moment, but it's throughout your life. That's what you do. You fade into the background as as Jesus takes center stage, as he should have. But John, even from the grave, was still speaking because it was truth. Truth cannot be silenced. So, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus and thought this was John the Baptist. This is him. This is John the Baptist that came back to haunt me. He was superstitious, no doubt, and thought that these miracles were because John had been raised from the grave and was performing these amazing works. And so Matthew gives us the details of why Herod was paranoid. Herod was the ruler of the area of Galilee. His brother Archelaus ruled to the south, and his brother Philip ruled to the north. So he had a certain region. It's, uh, Tetrarch is a ruler of a fourth. So literally there were four parts to that area, and he was ruler of one of those four parts. This was the brother of whose wife Herod took to be his own. Herodias was originally Philip's wife, his brother. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6 because this gives us greater detail. So Matthew and then Mark. So Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. It says, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. 
Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah. And others said he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Verse 17, for it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The story of John the Baptist. Of course, that isn't all of it, but that is the end of it as far as this earth is concerned. The main issue was that Herod had selfishly taken his brother Philip's wife, Herodias, to be his own wife. It is thought that uh, he had, um, without just cause, divorced his wife and then went and seduced Philip's wife to be his wife and took her to be his own. Herod's issue with John. What was it? John wouldn't shut up. He just didn't let up. He just kept on and on and on and on about this. What did he say? It is not lawful for you to have her. It's this nagging voice. It just keeps coming. It is not lawful for you to have her. It's not lawful for you to have her. It's not lawful for you to have her. And what this is saying, what we have here in the Word of God, both in Mark and in Matthew, is it was like this barrage. John would just not let up. He kept going at Herod and kept telling him. It is not lawful for you to have her. John wouldn't drop it. Herodias didn't like it. And as we read in Mark chapter 6, verse 19, she had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. That's what she wanted. You ever heard that said of someone else? 
it's, it's not a good feeling when you have it said. I've had it said once of me, once. A person was so angry with me. And simply because I was laying out some things that were the truth. And said, I wanted your head on a platter. Imagine that. Like, whoa. It's when I remember sitting back and thinking, this is crazy. Anger. Anger over the truth can bring you to a place where you've murdered in your heart. You may not have said those words, but perhaps something close, which means the same. That's what Herod, this is, this is what Herodias was saying. This is what she wish, wished. Her grudge was so intense against John the Baptist that she wanted his head on a platter, period. That's what she wanted, and she got it. There was a struggle within Herod, though. Guilt with pride has a way of destroying a person from the inside out. Number one, guilt can make a person paranoid. Remember, Herod got word of Jesus' fame and said, this is John the Baptist. He came back from the grave to haunt me. It's like, oh, you're so important, Herod. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. No, everywhere he looked, it was like he, he heard and exactly, it is not lawful for you, right? It's like he kept hearing that voice, he kept seeing that face, and now he was paranoid. This, this is John the Baptist. You know, guilt can make a person paranoid. Number two, guilt can make a person irrational. Make rash vows. He made a rash vow. Number three, guilt can make a person unstable. Very unstable. Herod imprisoned John for the sake of Herodias because she had a grudge against John and wanted him dead. But we know that, as we read, Herod wouldn't kill John because he feared him. He feared him. In fact, for Herod feared John knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and he kept him safe. Like Herod made sure that John the Baptist was, was safe. He was, he was kept well. It wasn't like he just threw him into the dungeon. But he was treated well. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed. It means that he thought about what John the Baptist was saying. He was perplexed, but he was only perplexed because there was a struggle within him. He was trying to figure out what exactly John was saying. It, is, is this really the truth? And yet he heard him gladly. But it's Herod's birthday. And, and as we read in Mark chapter 6, an opportunity came about. An opportunity. He had a huge banquet with all of his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. All these important people came to his birthday party. This amazingly great banquet Lots of entertainment, drinking, food. It was all there. It was at this time that Herodias' daughter danced for the crowd. And, and as the text tell us, it, it tells us, it's not like this little cute girl that came out and danced in front of daddy. You know, it, it wasn't like that. It was this young woman referring to a young lady who was at the age of being able to marry. 
And it was a sensual dance. It was one that pleased all of the guests. So much so that Herod ate it up and he promised her up to half the kingdom. It's all yours. Name your price. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And so she went to mommy and mommy said, ask for the head of John the Baptist now on a platter. And upon hearing this, Herod was exceedingly sorry. He was sorry. Herodias must have thought that her troubles, their troubles were over. Oh, I'm, I got it now. It's all, it's all going to, he's going to be silenced. We're going to be done with him. Because John the Baptist would be dead. But little did she know that truth cannot be silenced. It can't be silenced. But because Herod feared the opinion of the people more than he feared God and failed to repent and humble himself by refusing to do this thing he knew was wrong, he went forward, he went ahead with it. And he sent for the executioner. And the executioner went and beheaded John and brought John's head on a platter. Herod was a man who had requested the throne of Caligula. You might have heard of Caligula. He's uh, formerly known as Gaius. And he had asked for the throne. He was denied the throne. He was refused and ended up committing suicide alongside his wife uh, while they were in exile in Gaul. Gaul is um, a a good portion of what we know today as as Europe. Uh, It's France, northern Italy, Italy, Italy. Italy. I don't know where Italy, do you know where Italy is? <laughs> Luxembourg, uh, Switzerland. I'm trying to think of the area, you know, so that, that whole area. Right? So he was exiled into Gaul, and he was there. This, and this is how Herod and Herodias' lives ended, by committing suicide there. Herod's not very different than many people are today who fear the opinion over the world over the fear of the opinion of God. The answer to conviction is the same as it would have been for Herod as as it is today. It's the same thing. Humility before God. Confession and repentance. It's the same. What Herod didn't understand is at that time when he was perplexed, he was receiving from John. It, 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 was, it was a spirit, no doubt. God wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it was the same with Herod as it is with you today. And so the whole time as John was preaching, right, calling him to repent, at that point Herod could have repented. In fact, he got a second opportunity. Even though he had vowed this and he had promised that, he could have identified this is wrong. This is wrong. I'm not going to move forward with this. I repent. I know I'm going to disappoint all of you, the world. I'm going to, I'm going to disappoint all of you. But I'm going to turn and I'm going to decide to do different. E- even if you don't think kindly of me anymore, world. 
Herod could have done that. It's the same today as it was then. Humility before God, confession and repentance. This was the very thing that John the Baptist was proclaiming in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. Repent, bear the fruits of keeping with repentance. John was no different in what he was saying to Herod. Repent. But even though Herod was curious, we have many people who are curious. Even though Herod was curious, he never did come to that place of humility and repentance before the Lord. He did he didn't get there. There is um, a story in a situation in First Kings. I believe it's around chapter 20. To where we have King Ahab. Uh, King Ahab um, wanted this one portion of land, as Scripture tells us, for his garden. On this portion. Wanted it for himself. And so when he asked for this, he, he, would, he would either pay for it or he would trade, uh, one or the other. Um, and he thought it was, it's a great offer. For him, it was, it was closer to him, and so this is the land that he wanted. It, it, was, uh, it, was, it was just better for him. So he, he asked the present owner of the land if he would do that, and he refused him. He refused him. King Ahab, he, he pouted. He literally pouted a king. He pouted. He was pouting. And so his wife, his wife came and asked, what was, what's going on? And he told her, you wouldn't give me the land, and, you know. He cried to her. She said, are you not the king? So what she did is, now King Ahab was, was not a king good king. He was an evil king in the sight of the Lord, is what scripture tells us, all right? King Ahab was evil, but, but uh, even, even worse was his wife, Jezebel. Jezebel, well, she took a hold of, uh, you could say, his, his stamp for signing letters, and she sent them out. What happened was, to make a long story short, she had the owner of that property Killed. Murdered. And then once he was out of the way, she went to her husband, King Ahab, and said, it's all yours. I did it for you. And the Lord brought judgment upon King Ahab as he came and he was going to receive the, the property to himself. So th there was that whole situation where the man, King Ahab, instead of being really up on everything that was happening, how it is that his wife was conducting herself, how it is that he even procured the, the land, all of those things, he ignored it all. He ignored it all and, and, and went and took hold of the land. That's when he was judged. And by the way, King Ahab, there's a whole story there. You should read it. Um, it, it it's amazing, all right? But the point is, is that as the men, we, we are responsible men, brothers. We, we need to know what's going on. And we need to make sure that no matter what, uh, we, we don't have 
I, I pray no Herodiases or no Jezebels, right? <laughs> and I'm not implying that at all. What I am saying is, man, you need to step up. You need to make sure that you're leading the homes right. And if there is any misstep, misdirection, that you, you, you gently bring your household back into the right path to bless the Lord, to walk according to his ways. That's really what the Lord desires. Because with Herod, he had another opportunity to shift gears and repent and take the right path. And he didn't. And he went through with it. He was curious, but his failure was he never did come to that place of humility and repentance before the Lord. And so after John's head was taken off and it was brought to Herodias, um, his disciples, John's disciples came and they buried his body. And if you notice, what, what we read in the text is that they didn't bury John. John was not there. They knew that very well, but they respected his body. They buried John's body. And then they went and they told Jesus about what had taken place. Some things in closing I want to point out here. Number one, God will never be silenced. God will never be silenced. Even though John the Baptist was murdered, truth continued to speak, for it will never be silenced, for it would be be possible, if that were so, for God to be silenced. That will never happen, no matter how much force is used by the world to keep truth under wraps. It, it, It will always scream. It will always be like John the Baptist to in Herod's ear, right? It's not lawful. It's not right. It'll always be there. Secondly, guard your heart. What you allow to come into your heart is what will eventually find its way out. Jesus explained to Peter and the disciples what exactly defiles a person. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 16 through 20, Jesus explaining this parable, and he said, Are you still, also still, without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Uh, Jesus taught very graphically, right? It it's something to where it's like, okay, Jesus, yes, exactly. I understand what you're saying. It naturally does. But what he continues to say, he, he says, but what comes out of the mouth, not into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth and worse proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Thirdly, repent and know God's forgiveness. The Apostle Paul was a man much like John the Baptist, in that there was nothing and no one who could stop him from speaking the truth, from proclaiming the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11, 
He says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. He, he was telling me, I'm, I'm sorry that I caused you pain with my letter, but at the same time, not sorry, because it led to repentance, true, genuine repentance. And you have this intense commitment and devotion to the things of the Lord now. All of these things, he, he was telling me, this is where conviction has brought you to, to a place of repentance, and you have found life in that as you've confessed before the Lord. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No, truth cannot be silenced. If at any point you have that, that still small voice, it's, it, it's not always that. Still small voice is not always a word of encouragement, a word of direction, but it's also a, a word of warning, a, a call to repent. It's like that one thing is still before you. It is not lawful. It, it's, not, it's not right. So God wishes that we would all come to that place of repentance as we hear truth because it will not be silenced and bring us to that place of confessing before the Lord and asking him for forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's amazing. It's amazing that he sent his son to die on the cross for you and I, to pay for our sins, past, present, and future. When John the Baptist proclaimed, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he was speaking truth. He was offering, at that point he was saying, this is the offering of the Father right here. He's walking by. This is him. And it's up to us to receive Jesus Christ, number one, as Lord and Savior, as we simply ask for his forgiveness and receive, receive him by grace through faith. But also as we live our lives as Christians, that any time there's this conviction in our lives, that we, we would be quick, be very quick. Don't let it fester. Don't let it build up. When something's revealed in our lives that is not of the Lord, we simply repent. We don't fight it. We don't try and justify it. We, we just simply repent and ask for forgiveness. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Truth cannot be silenced, but it's for the purpose of leading you to agree with it and turn from whatever is not true but false. Because God desires that you would know life, that you would know life more abundantly in Jesus Christ. Father, we can certainly see by the life of John the Baptist that he was not holding on to his life as if that was all. Otherwise, he would have appeased Herod and, and everyone else. It wasn't that he was siding with Philip. He was siding with you. He, he was simply speaking the truth and no doubt 
desires as you do that Herod as well as Herodias and and anyone else who is found in that place to be in the wrong before you would simply confess and repent. I ask, Lord, that if there's anything in our lives that we need to confess, that we need to ask for your forgiveness for, that, that this morning, Lord, we would do that. You are so eager to hear that confession and to just take that from us, Lord. You tell us in your word that you cast our sins away as far as the east is from the west. That you remember our sin no more. Perhaps it's a, it's a burden, Lord, that we've been carrying. Unconfessed sin. It's uh, made us um, think a bit too much about a situation that we haven't made right before you. I pray, Lord, that we would today decide to make those things right. Whatever it is, sometimes it's even with friends or loved ones that we need to go and make things right. And Lord, confess, humble ourselves that we would walk uprightly before you. Lord, help us. Help us, I ask, Lord. Help your church. Help us, Lord, to not come being prideful, but being humble before you. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Fill us with your spirit. Refresh us and fill us anew one more time. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.